Well, we got a wonderful word today. We've been talking about miracles, and I thought, man, this is a great, this is a great testimony here where we talk about miracles, and even to stretch ourselves. Uh, Lee Strobel had to totally stretch himself as he wrote that book. He, he has a, a whole chapter on dreams and visions, uh, which is not always popular out there, but it's in the Bible, and he experienced them as met through this research, thousands of people who have, and uh, we're going to hear some of that today. And I just want you to open up your heart to how the Holy Spirit might encourage you and bring life to you. And uh, this, this guy sitting up here, uh, Richard, um, Richard came, Richard and Brenda came here for years, and they're now down in Florida. And so I was telling them, because we had supper with them the other day at like 4 o'clock, and I said, oh, I forgot you're from Florida. So you have breakfast at 5, lunch at 10.30, and supper at 3.30. So, okay, we, we get that. But this guy right here has uh, so much going on in his life. Um, he's a talented musician. He played drums, keyboard, guitar xylophone, just about, about anything. Amen. Uh, he's a, a trained in school as a graphic artist and designer, probably which you hardly ever use anymore, right? And um, he's a captain, a real, not just captain, a Tennille kind of captain. He's a real captain, you know, a boat captain and manages, let's get that out of the way, uh, manages, um, what's it called? Is it called a marina? Marco Island Marina. Marco Island Marina. It's down there in Ritzy country. The little slip for a boat, he was telling me somebody sold one on sale for $200,000. I mean, that's just a place you park your boat, right? That's not the boat you park. So obviously you pay that, you got to park something. You can't park a $10,000 boat and a $200,000 slip for that. So he gets to minister to all kinds of people down there. He's a wild man. He has um, an incredible story to tell to ministers all over the place. And also, just a real anointing on him, so you'll sense that as he shares. So, Richard, come on up and share. At the end of that, when he's done, he's just kind of done, and we're going to have prayer ministry up here in the front. So beware of that. If you go, wow, that, that kind of was done, and we were praying. That's right, because we're on the move, okay? So, Richard, come on up and share with us. Love you, brother. Yeah, and I could tell you stories about him as well. You are in a healthy place. What a healthy church. Thank you for joining us here this morning at Crossroads Community Church on February the 27th. It's chilly out there. I love it. It's chilly. My wife's been trying to get me to wear my coat for three days. I said, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm embracing this. Don't worry. Spring's in the air. Um, as Pastor Tracy had mentioned a few moments ago, my wife and I were here way back, long ago and far away, and I do have a testimony of fire to share with you. And, and encourage you with. Back in 2000, I mean 1994, I remember the first time we came into this building. David and the Giants was playing some rock and roll music, long hair, swinging it and flames going, everything else. That David and the Giants back in 1994, we said, okay, that's cool, that's cool. I mean, we were born again. We were, you know, worshiping Jesus. This is cool, all right? We had crossed a line to follow Jesus and never looked back. Said, I like it, I like it. Came back the next Sunday, all these weird people wearing crazy hats. I'm saying, oh, wait a minute, I don't know about this. I can, and then Tracy, Pastor Tracy comes and says, oh, this is hat day. I said, okay, that's cool. So we come back the following week, and they're doing praise and worship, and there's a girl roller skating around the ring. Like, around this, in this building, in this, remember that? We had the, 
And I'm going, now I can get used to this. This is a, so hold on. I will try to keep my composure and not raise my voice. I will have a monotone voice, but bless God, if I get going and I see you falling asleep, I'm going to come knock on your door and put this mic right under your nose. So be prepared. I'm just kidding. Uh, I do have a story to talk to you about. I wanted to let you know that you may be in here, you may be a, a new believer. You may have just come into this house. Right here in the latter part of 1994, I was minding my own business, but I had a clean vessel. You know what I'm talking about? The elders had asked for prayer for Pastor Tracy McIntyre right here. While we came up and started to pray for him, something came through that roof down and rested on my shoulders and has never left. So don't think just because you're out here in the cornfields, I remind you that behind this building, 20 and 30,000 people a week used to attend and worship Jesus. There's something on this ground. There's something in this place and there's something that's coming in these last days I'm going to talk to you about. But I'm also talking to you about a testimony of fire. Amen? And I've been all over the place talking and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because the seeds that were sown in me by these pastors and the anointing that came on me right in that spot in 1994. And it hasn't left. Okay? So before I get going this morning, if you don't mind, I'd like to do a little bit of house cleaning. So I speak to every cubic feet of air in this building, all four walls, and every piece of property, this property around here, all the airways, the, the sky above and the earth below. I remind you, and I remind you, hell, that Jesus Christ is king. He's the only one that shed his blood at Calvary's hill for our sins. He's the only one that died a cruel death for our sins. And he's the only king of kings and the Lord of lords, you foul spirits, that's coming back for me and all those who know Jesus as Lord. I remind Mind you, you have no authority in this building. You have no authority on our lives. You have no authority over our finances. Jesus is king. <laughs> Angels who have been sent from the heavenly father as messengers, I welcome you into this place. I welcome you to walk up and down these aisles. I welcome you to come and visit them in their homes to finish your assignments. We do not want to take our last breath or go up in the great taking away without you finishing your assignments on our lives. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to move in a mighty way and fill these people with your presence and your power and your authority in these days ahead. So we welcome you. I can't do this without you. Amen. Amen. I feel better. <laughs> when I grew up uh, in this church and other churches, we used to listen to R.W. Shambach. What's this pen for? We used to listen to R.W. Shambach. We used to listen to people like T.D. Jakes. I'm not T.D. Jakes. T.L. Osborne. Talk about the wonderful things God would do. We would listen to, I remember the stories when Kenneth Copeland was flying with 
Oral Roberts. Remember those days in the tents when they would do mighty things and miracles? Well, I used to meditate on those. We used to sit around and listen to those little cassette tapes about that. We would listen to stories about Kenneth Hagin talking about healing. And we would meditate on those stories, and they haven't left. I encourage you, young people, old people, get those tapes out. Start meditating on the things of God. He's going to use us in these last days, and we, need, we might have those things available in our library of memory, so we may need them in these days ahead. I've got a story for you today. I want you to hear about this crazy story. But first of all, I know the pastor talked about signs, dreams, visions among your people. We got the prophet Joel that 800 years before Jesus Christ was on the earth, and he wrote three simple chapters. And those three simple chapters, right in the middle of talking about the Jewish people and the Gentile people coming, he interrupts that and says, oh, but in that day, look at it, but Joel, the second chapter, it says, and that there shall come to pass that afterwards that your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men will have visions. So expect that to happen. Joel had a time where he, he was ministering to the people. Then God interrupts and says, in these days you're going to have dreams, visions come upon the people, the land, and then there's going to be wars and there's going to be earthquakes and all that stuff. It's the same thing Isaiah, the 60th chapter, talked about. He said, as light's going to come, but there's also going to be some darkness that are coming. So I, I, I want to remind you today, things are on this earth that we may not understand right now that are coming. But remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. He said, when these things start to happen, not only are they good for us in the days when, after Christ, but they're going to be better for us even these days ahead when this darkness comes upon the earth. You are going to need to walk with wisdom. You're going to need to exercise and flow and give some miracles. You're going to be, need to prophesy to those people. You're going to need to have discernment of spirits. You may need to speak another language that someone doesn't understand worshiping Jesus. You may need these things ahead. I submit to you that days, those days are upon us and God wants to equip you you, he's equipping all of us for these days. We are the warriors that God is going to use. If you're waiting for him to come and grab you and snatch you and shake you and use your mouth and all that stuff, no, he sent the prophets to remind us. He sent the word of God to teach us and he told us these gifts are available to us. All we need is a clean vessel to reach that spot where the Holy Spirit can come and lay a mantle on you in these days so you can go out and teach and preach and do crazy things for the kingdom of God and grow your hair long, wear flip-flops, and shake around here like some crazy crazy man. Okay? What I want to talk to you about this morning is something that happened to me. It's a 10-week period. It started on October the 2nd, 2019. Did you hear that? 2019. Young people, listen to me. 2019. It went for a period, then something else happened, and then something else happened. So I have to take a few moments. Darling says I preached too long, so I'm going to take a few moments, and I'm going to go talk briefly about this, and you can hear more about it last week. I did it in great detail, what happened October 2nd. You'll be able to see that on YouTube next week. Then you're going to see something that happens with King Hezekiah, and then you're going to, I'm going to talk to you about testimony. Is that okay? Will you bear with me on this? All right. October the 2nd, 2019, I was... Got up early in the morning. I went to the store. I come back from the store. I'm walking to my house carrying bags. Not a big deal. I walk back out to my car. I carry more bags. Not a big deal. I bring boxes in. Then I start putting them in buckets. My wife comes out and says, what are you doing? I hand her these two pieces of paper, October the 2nd, 2019. She reads those two pieces of paper and she says, oh my, is this getting ready to happen? 
I said, yep. Those two pieces of paper talk about, they reminded me of what I saw just a few moments ago. The smell was still on me, okay? The heat was still on me. I had just been, I believe, I don't know what happened. I have no way to explain it. Something just happened all my life where a visitor came to me, and it says on those two pieces of paper, within the next five years. And then it goes on to describe things in my past that I knew I would not go back to. I would not jeopardize that that came on me in this building. But those bags were full of hydrogen peroxide. I mean full. Rubbing alcohol, full. Cases and cases of toothpaste, cases of soap, medical supplies, first aid equipment, N95 mask, everything I would need from what I just saw. I didn't know what was going to happen. Two years later, I realized I have a better vision, a better painting of what I saw. And that's, I'm going to share part of that with you, just a brief part of it this morning. What I saw when I said, I'm not going to go back and do my past, boom, immediately, I was on something hard. I walk up, I could feel the heat coming off it, it was full of dust. I look over and I see a window. I said, huh, this is an airplane wing. I wrote down that you could live in the fuselage. They were all parked. I slid across the fuselage and there was that visitor that I've seen four or five times in my life. I could pick him out of a crowd. I don't know who he is, he's never told me who he is. Don't really care, I'm glad he was there. He's standing right there. I look out over the wing, I look up in the, in the airport area, the tugs are all parked underneath it, nobody's putting their face against the window. I'm watching all this. As far as I can see, I don't hear anything. I don't see anybody moving around. And all the planes are parked, almost wingtip to wingtip. I'm looking at this and I said, am I going to see this? He said, you will soon see it. Boom! Immediately I was on a lanai with screens dangling down. I saw an area where there wasn't, the yard was unkept. Nobody was, everybody's afraid to get out of their houses, even to mow their grass to clean their yard up. I saw people leaving cities, afraid to get caught in large groups, is what I wrote down in these notes, only to die of some type of sickness. This is 2019. I saw people leaning up against their houses, afraid to go out, looking outside, longing to go out and visit with people. I saw water would become a commodity in many parts of the country. Last year, they reported 91% of the United States was, had the most severest drought it's ever had. Then I saw something else, and this is what I'm briefly going to talk to you about. I saw a room about the size of a hockey ring. The visitor was over there. I was right here, and all these people were coming in with all kinds of books and notes and said, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. How about this? No, they'll pick up on that. Pick up this, and I'm listening to the conversations they are having. They're making a plan to overthrow our president. They're making a plan to disrupt our government. They're strategically planning through demonic power and demonic influence to change the economies of the world and to change the nation. I'm listening to this. What are we seeing this year? What did we see last year? What did we see the year before? I'm listening to this intently, and I'm, I, can, I recognize the people that are doing this. A lot I don't. I look over, and I'm looking this way. The visitor's looking that way. I look up, and I see a rolling black cloud of darkness. You couldn't see through it. You couldn't penetrate it, moving from east to west across the nations of the world, changing everything in its path. 
Now, I'm either the craziest idiot you ever saw or God showed me something. And I was there. I don't know of anybody else that saw the plane stopping. I heard prophets talking about a drought coming. And I heard people, I had a friend of mine, Dr. Jo, I mean, Michael, uh, John Kilpatrick, talk about darkness coming in December of 2019. How he rolled over and he entered into another world where he heard God talking to him and said, Son, warn the people that darkness is coming and gross darkness is coming upon the earth, but I'm sending my angels to assist and to help the saints of God in this time. The very same thing that Joel prophesied when your sons and daughters will come. The very same thing that Isaiah prophesied in chapter 60 when he says darkness is gonna come. Oh, by the way, gross darkness will come upon your people. Friends, I submit to you that we are living in a season and a time in these United States and the saints of God all over the world, even those that you are watching online, that darkness has come into this world and is trying to change it, but God, but God, but God. Well, I'm gonna to talk to you about something else. Uh, that happened, it was the first part that I wanna to talk to you and submit to you, and like I said, you can see more of that next week. Um, that I preached last week. Then we're going to talk about something else that happened on November the 23rd. You with me? November the 23rd, I am sitting on the back of my porch, minding my own business, drinking a cup of coffee. I live out on the Everglades and just watching the sunrise. All of a sudden, I hear in my ear, son, I need you to learn about Hezekiah. So I run and go grab my paper and grab my Bible. I don't know who the prophet Hezekiah is only to find out he wasn't a prophet at all. He was a snotty-nosed little kid that was given the, they were given the, the, the job because his, his father had passed away. The son, the grandson of Zechariah the prophet, okay? 20 generations before Christ, 600 years before Christ. That puts the time frame on it, okay? Can you imagine being 20, 25, 26 years old and given the job? Okay, now, son, you're over all of Judah, and you're over David's city, the city of David. You're responsible for Solomon's temple. You're responsible for all of this stuff. I'm making you a kid. But, 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 but. Can you imagine this? So Zechariah the prophet's growing up, and he's trying his best to fill that gap, which is a hard gap to do. But I'm going to show you a story that I believe God had asked me to learn about, specifically because everything I'm going to try to tell you this morning, I had to think about and apply it and remember to save my life. I am here today because of the stories that I remember when I was young. I am here today because of the anointing that came on me right here. I am here today because of the faith that was increased when people prayed over me and spent time with me. I am here today because I read through the prophet, I mean, and the people of God, mainly King Hezekiah, and learned those processes. I am here today because of what the Holy Spirit showed me on October the 2nd, 2019. Are you ready? All right, A-team, you ready here? We're going to go to 2 Kings, the 18th chapter. Now, verse 1 just briefly talks about who King Hezekiah is. Verse 2 will talk about that he was 25 years old when he began to reign. Talks about his mother being uh, Zechariah the prophet, I mean his mother's father. And then he says this, Pay attention to this. Verse three, and he did that which was in the sight of the Lord according to his father David did. Verse four, he removed the high places and verse five says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Look at that pattern right there. That he removed the high places. Remember what we're talking about in 2022. 
What are the high places? If you read through the Old Testament, it was a one-stop shop for sin. It had always been a one-stop shop for sin. It was a place you could go and commit all kinds of hideous crimes. If you wanted to, you could take your son and burn him at the altar to the god of Moloch. That's where they got the weeping and gnashing teeth from. The first thing King Hezekiah did was tear down those high places. I submit to you today, when this darkness comes upon the earth, the very first thing you need to do, if you want God to operate in your life, to flow in your life, for these gifts of spirit in your life, for that anointing to come upon you, is get the high places out of your life. The second thing that we learned about here with King Hezekiah was that he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. Some of you don't trust God to take care of you. You need to learn how to trust God. You need to fall in love with him. You need to get the sin out and learn how to trust God. And verse 7 reminds us, and it says that the Lord is with him. And then he goes on to say what we all know. Repent, believe God, trust him. What does it say? Verse 7, and the Lord is with him, and he prospered wherever he went. And then it says something else. He rebelled against the king of Assyria. That's very important there. I'm glad the writer put that in there because the Assyrian king ruled and reigned outside of Judah. Okay, you with me? This king had a plan. Remember when I talked about how this darkness is coming? Those are demon powers. They've got a plan over the world. They're trying to exercise their authority and their plan. And if you choose not to give them the authority, they, their plan is no good. King Hezekiah had to deal with this king for several years. The Assyrian king had a plan to start moving upon Judah, the towns and the villages. What he would do is go destroy their temples, kill their soldiers, pull the people out, and make them send them back to where he came from. Well, 14 years into this, here's Hezekiah. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? God, I trust you. I cleaned everything out. What am I going to do? Prophet Isaiah, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Now, he's finding himself with the Assyrian king has strategically made a plan, marching through the land, taking, taking, taking what God promised the, uh, Moses, what he, the land he promised, the cities. Taking, taking, taking. Now, he's at the city gates of Jerusalem with an army of 185,000 warriors. What are we seeing in 2022? What do the prophets talk about It's going to happen in his last day? I'm here to tell you that those kings died, those prophets died, those warriors died, but those demon powers didn't die, and they've got a plan to destroy us. They've got a plan to come after us. They haven't stopped making their plans. They're not going to stop making these plans until that, and behold, I saw the Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords, coming through the clouds in a white. That's when, that's when they're going to decide, hey, my plan didn't work, and it doesn't work out. The saints of God win. We're on the winning team. We need to get ready for what's getting ready to happen saints look at what happens in second kings verse 15 second kings the 18th chapter verse 15 king hezekiah did something crazy here i don't recommend i don't recommend we do that in our households worship and our homes it says let me tell you what's happening these armies are against israel they're sitting in Jerusalem. Israel was a nation there, but sitting in the city gates of Jerusalem. He sends his messengers out. What do you want? What do you want from me? He says, I'll tell you what I want, the Assyrian king says. Give me all your gold. Give me all your silver, and I might leave you alone. 
What have we seen in 2021, 2022, and our church is trying to shut us down? Take, our, take the money away from the churches. Take our voices away. I'm telling you, they're coming. They've already come. Verse 16, 15 says this, And Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. Can you imagine this? And it says he also gave him, took the gold off the pillars of the house of God. Can you imagine a group of people coming up here to this building and says, here, let me tell you, Crossroads, what we're going to do. We're going to come against your God just like you came against all the rest of them. We're going to make you wish that you'd never seen our faces. We're going to bring darkness into the land. There's not a thing in the world you can do about it. And by the way, empty your bank account into ours and take all the gold and the silver out of all your pockets and give it to us because your God will not be able to save you and your God will not be able to help you. You better get ready to rise up because that's what they're trying to do. Here we go. Look what the prophet says. Isaiah the prophet was alive during these times. Isaiah saw King Hezekiah give away the gold, the silver. He sees the army out front. Now Isaiah comes into the king's court. Hezekiah, I'm sure, doesn't know what to do. So the prophet reminds the king who God is. He reminded hell who God is. 13, it says this, Therefore saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city. He shall not shoot an arrow there. And if he builds up a bank against it, God will defend this city. Verse 34 says, God, he said, God said, I will defend this city to save it for my own name's sake and for my servant's sake. And if you look at verse 35, it says, and it came to pass that night, come on, that night, what happened? That the angel of the Lord went out and smote 185,000 crazy-faced warriors coming up against the city of Jerusalem. And I'm here to tell you, you may be standing here in 2022 and you may feel like, but God, God doesn't hear me. God's not there. He doesn't hear my prayers. I'm telling you, God's got a plan and if he needs to send an angel of the Lord to come to your household, to come to your place of business, to come to your private place, he will, he will move heaven and earth on your behalf. We saw it in those days and we're gonna start seeing it right now. God is sending. When this darkness comes, God is sending these angels to help us. I told you I don't get excited. Hey, you're going to hear why I get excited about these angels. You're going to hear why. I'm going to show you a couple quick things and I'm just briefly go over that. The Isaiah the prophet is talking to the king Hezekiah in a short time after that. King Hezekiah has developed sores all over him. He can't even go present himself before the, the priest in the temple because it's illegal for him to walk around with these sores, open wounds. So Isaiah the prophet comes to him and says, pack your bags, dude. You get ready to drop dead. Okay, that'll make you happy. <laughs> what does Hezekiah do? I want to read something to you real quick. Hezekiah in 2 Kings, the 20th chapter, verse says this. Remember, the prophet just came to him and said, you're getting ready to drop dead. He says, then he turned his face to the wall 
And he prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and in a perfect heart. And I've done that right, which is in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Remember what I told you earlier. We need to get these, these, these old men and women in our minds from years past that talked about the goodness of God. Remember what, what the prophets liked about King Hezekiah, that he, he walked right before the Lord. He took the high places, those nasty places in life, and he pushed them away. And he sought the face of God, and he trusted him. Now we have a clear understanding. When the prophet comes to him and says, you're going to die, what does he do? He turns his face to God, turns his face to the Lord, and he calls upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he says, oh God, help me. The prophet comes around before he even gets out of the courts. That's how quick God worked and says, okay, God says he's going to give you some 15 more years. You're good. One more thing. Hezekiah says something else. How will I know? that God will heal me and I can go before the priest in three days? How will I know I'm going to live 15 more years? Here we go again. Isaiah the prophet, are you kidding me? Did you not see the angel of the Lord come and kill 185,000 warriors right here? Did you not? What's wrong with you? What do you want me to do? Jimmy, go before the Lord, Isaiah says, and make time go forward 10 degrees. Hezekiah says, no, that's a light thing to make the time go 10 degrees forward. I want it to go backwards 10 degrees. I can imagine this conversation. Isaiah is probably going, Lord, I know you assigned me to this guy. I know I've been praying for him, but he just don't get it. I know you love him. I know you said there won't be one like him afterwards, but he doesn't get it. Can you imagine the conversation that Isaiah is having with God? So Isaiah goes to the father and he says, okay, we need to do something. This kid doesn't believe us. So look what, I, look what God did uh, in Hezekiah's life and that king. What he did was very simple. If you read those chapters, you're going you're gonna to learn that Hezekiah went before the Lord. You're going to learn that the Isaiah, the prophet, said, you know, God, let's help him out. So Isaiah went before the Lord, and the Bible says that God took the sun and moved it back 10 degrees by the dial of Ahaz. Now, we don't know what that dial was. It might have been 2 inches or 10 feet, but it made a shadow go up and down the wall where they could tell time. Now, I'm telling you, I'm here to remind you that God will move heaven and earth on your behalf. God will move in these days when this darkness comes, heaven and earth on your behalf. Think about what he had to do to turn, to make the dial go back. He had to, either had to move the stars, the sun, and, and move it back, okay, that, which, which would have just stopped the earth and do all that would have taken a lot. God could have done that. Or he simply had to move the people back in time, which to me is the easiest thing to do. Just like he did to the prophet that one day when he made the sun stand still for a day, he moved about 10 degrees. God will move no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing in these days and these hours ahead. God will move heaven and earth on your behalf. God did it in Hezekiah's day. He'll do it in our days ahead. These armies are trying to march against the land. We see them marching up against Europe. We see them marching across our land. We see those demonized forces that have a plan. I'm telling you, God's taught thousands of us 
that this army's coming, this darkness is coming, but God has a plan, but God has a plan, but God has a plan. I have seen in the past couple years where people are rising up, good people with good intentions coming against us with crazy plans and wicked people with wicked intentions, with crazy plans, trying to bring Fear, separation, division in our home, in our schools, in our households of faith, trying to shut us down, trying to muzzle the voice of God. They're taking this word of God and they're saying, 6,000 years, 6,000 years, 6,000 years God's been speaking to mankind, teaching us, telling us what we need to do. And they're saying, if you believe this word of God, if you believe the canon, if you believe the Old Testament, the New Testament, you're the problem. I agree. I'm the biggest problem the devil's got in this house right now. You need to be the biggest problem the devil's got in your workplace, in your household. When you walk into Walmart, you need to be the biggest problem the devil's got in that place. I'll walk up and they'll be speaking French or something like that when I'm down there, and I'll just start busting out in tongues. They'll look at me and say, what did you just say? I don't know what I'm saying. I'm crazy enough to do it. I believe God. I could tell you, I could, st- I could be here for hours telling you stories. What's happened in my life since 1994, when a mantle came over me right here. Is that the same carpet? Can I have a piece of it? <laughs> this is fun. This is like home. This season that we're in, I can't explain it. I only saw a small portion of it. I told you that this darkness is coming, but I didn't tell you the second part of that. I saw God raising up a group of people. And I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now, what I saw. I saw rising up right behind this darkness that was destroying everything, changing everything. I saw one word. I wrote it down here. Grace. Grace. And I'm believing in 2022 when you start walking down these aisles of Walmart and God, I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know know if it's going to be 10 minutes, 2 minutes, or 10 years. I don't know. But I wrote down millions and millions and millions and millions of people would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ during this time. We need to get ready, keep our vessels clean, protect the precious gift that God has given us. I don't care if it's shining shoes. I don't care if you're prophesying. Whatever you're doing, do it for the kingdom of God with all that you have and if you don't know what your will of God is in your life and what you need to do remember what Mrs. Gaither said Bill Gaither's wife Gloria Gaither she said if you don't know the will of God in your life just do the next thing that God has showed you to do and do the next right thing God has showed you to do so when you go into your byways and highways you need you don't you don't know who you're going to touch You do not know who you're going to touch. You may need to in these days ahead to take your banner of healing when the doctor has given somebody no hope and take a banner of healing and start waving it. Okay? Start speaking life to a death situation. Start going to your, your finances and say, God, you can show me what to do. You can show me. You can show me. I read what you did for Hezekiah's day. I read what you did. You can show me. All right, I'm about to begin to get ready to start to close. I'm going to tell you a story. Are you ready? So stay with me now. We got October the 2nd where I had an encounter with a person that was called the visitor, the darkness. Hezekiah, I was asked to learn about 
King Hezekiah. I was specifically asked because I, I believe he showed me about these darkness coming, okay? I believe he showed me about the warriors coming and what we can expect in these days and hours ahead. Uh, now I'm going to talk to you about something that happened in my life. The week before Thanksgiving, 2019. You ready? I was accustomed to a small pain in my belly right here. Most of the time it would last one or two seconds. Happened three or four times a day through the month of November. And, and I, I, I thought I was treating a peptic ulcer. But I, I began to eat less and I began to drink more and juice and things like that. Try to take care of my body. If it's an ulcer, that's what we thought it was. And the pain would just last a second or two. And so I probably didn't eat 10 meals the whole month of November. The day before Thanksgiving, that pain jumped to a five. It really had my attention. I said, whoa, this is not good. So I'm in my home trying to finish up work, trying to finish things up. All of a sudden, the pain went to a 10. Dropped me. I start screaming out to God. You made me, you saved me, help me. I don't know what's going on with my body. I'm climbing the walls of our house, screaming out to God, please tell me what's going on. The pain's unbearable. My wife's never seen me in that kind of pain. I'm crawling around crying out to God. Father, I remember the days of old. I remember what you showed me I would see over the next five years. I remember what you told Hezekiah. Please help me. And the pain got worse. It got worse. My wife screamed, we have to take you to the hospital. I said, no, I'll die. She's trying to get me to walk down that hall and get into our car and take us to the ambulance. I said, no. Instead of walking down that aisle and going out my front door, getting into a car and going to the hospital, I took a right-hand turn and I jumped on my piano and I started playing. And I said, you made me, Father. I said, if this is my last breath and I'm getting ready to meet you, I will die worshiping you. I prayed and I screamed and I hollered and I worshiped the very best I could in those conditions. And the pain just kept coming and kept coming. And I'd start singing about the Lord. I couldn't move. My fingers were working as hard as they could. And about 9.04, all of a sudden, the pain subsided. I was, whoo, praise God, breakthrough. Yay, I'm all ready to go. Let's go. I went back to sleep that night. I said, Father, that scared, the, that scared me. <laughs> but you have a plan for my life, and I trust you. Remember Hezekiah? He trusted God. I prayed. I did everything of the model that Hezekiah modeled. So I expected an angel to come and destroy my warriors. I expected when I repented that God would be there on my behalf. I expected if he had to, to send a prophet to me and tell me what I needed to do. I was expecting it. That's why I learned about King Hezekiah. So I go to sleep that night. I wake up the next morning. I feel great. I feel great. I go to work at this marina. I'm going around getting trash and all that other good stuff I do. I come back to the office and all of a sudden that pain hit me and went to a 12. Dropped me to my knees. I was gone. I thought I was a dead duck. I sat there on that, that, that floor. I didn't know if I was ever going to get up. 
I didn't have a clue. All of a sudden, I began to vomit into a trash can. Jumped up again. I'm fine. Bless God. All right. Fish bones gone. I'm ready to go. I was still afraid to eat. That's Thanksgiving Day. I go home Thanksgiving Day. My wife's got a whole spread set out there. I'm afraid to eat. I don't want to go through that again. But here's what I want to tell you and remind you of, encourage you with. I'm still asking, Father, you made me, you saved me, you can speak to me. And before my head hit the pillow on Thanksgiving Day, 2019, I saw something. I saw a man sitting on the back of his yacht, looking down. I saw me walk up to him and ask him two questions. Then I heard this in my ear. He can help you. I had my answer. Bless God, that's what I was looking for. Just like Hezekiah. I didn't have a prophet, but I had an answer. I was going to walk with it. I was going to wait till that happened. I knew I had my answer. The next morning, which is Friday morning, I'm going around doing my chores. I come back. I look over. There's that man sitting on the back of his yacht. I'd only seen him twice in my life. I didn't know anything about him. I left people alone. You don't, you don't go do a whole lot in the marine I'm in. You just leave them alone. I'd, I'd only seen him twice in my life. I didn't know anything about him. I walk up to him. I, I was talking to somebody. I said, excuse me. Walked up to him and started making small talk. And I said, I can't take this anymore. I need to ask you two questions. I worship Yeshua, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the Lord showed me last night that you can help me. He said, what's going on? Well, let me ask you the questions. I said, are you a doctor? He said, yeah. 50-50, I could ask another one. 50-50. I said, are you a gut doctor? Yes, I am. How can I help you? I said, well, I think I got a peptic ulcer. I got pains. He said, well, might be a gallbladder. And he explained to me how the gallbladder works and the pains that it can cause and similar similarities between the two. He said, it might be a gallbladder. And he began to talk to me and he said, what's the symptoms? He said, ah, it sounds like, yep, 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 yep. Gallbladder, that's easy. I got little bitty bandages, little spot here, little spot there. I didn't know I was gonna need bandages this big. But God, but God, trust him, trust him in these days ahead, but God. So I said, can you help me? Can you work on me in, in Florida? He said, no, I, I can't do that. I'm licensed only in Michigan. So he hands me a card, I give it to my wife. I said, are we insured in Michigan? She said, yeah, we're insured in Michigan. So I said, buy two tickets. I told him we'll be there next Wednesday. Wednesday morning, I got to show up at his office. He's surprised to see me. I show up at his office. He said, he knew I had to work quite quick because my energy levels were dropping. I was losing weight rapidly, and he, act, he, act, he had to act quick. So he did tests for me Wednesday. They checked the gallbladders out. They did upper GIs. They checked my blood. They checked my organs. They did all this stuff on me Wednesday. They did all this stuff Thursday. They did the, uh, the, the, the upper GIs. He says, if you had... An ulcer, it's healed up so well, Richard. It's, you're in good shape there. It's not, we gotta find the problem. Something's wrong. Something's causing you pain. They do more tests on me. And then Thursday afternoon comes along, they do a, a nuclear test on me. They call me into the office. And he says, well, we found the problem. He said, buddy, you got a tumor that big and it's cancerous. 
It's protruded past the colon wall. It's protruded through the mucous membrane, out into the muscle, and out into your organs. He looked at me like, buddy, you're gone. She had read the report from the, from the, that, the day before, or that, that day. She read that and said, buddy, you were a dead duck. You had no hope. But God. But God. But God. He looks at me and says, we got to get this out right now. And he began to draw a picture about where this tumor was. It was the, where the ascending colon, where the small intestines go into the colon area. It had blocked everything out. Everything, nothing could get through. That was the pain I'm feeling. I praise God that I vomited in that trash can or my guts are about to blow right out. He said, we got to get this out, Richard. We need to do surgery tomorrow. This was Saturday. I said, no, I got to get my warriors together. He said, can we do it Monday? Yes. I, he said, I can, I can send you back to Naples. I looked over the counter, put my hand on Dr. Michael Israel, and I said this to him. Dr. Michael Israel, the chief medical surgeon of Beaumont Medical Facility in Dearborn, Michigan, he was the top of the top. I said, out of all the people in the world, God chose you to take care of me. No, I'm not going anywhere, but I'm going to get my warriors together. I called my son. I said, son, I need you to agree with me. I said, now, I don't know how this is all going to turn out. He just drew us a picture where this tumor's at. My wife read the report. It doesn't look good. I don't know how this is going to turn out. You may never see me again as long as on this earth. I said, but I want you to agree with me and pray this. He said, okay. And then I called some other people. And this is what I asked them to agree with me with. And, you know, I didn't go to some big city coffee shop and find some skinny-legged skinny jean fella with these pointed shoes and, you know, drinking a, 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 a latte with his finger up, a donut-flavored latte. I went to my warriors, warriors like you, and I said, I need you to agree with me. I don't need somebody to play in church. I need somebody that is church. I need somebody that is the body of Christ. This is life or death. So I found a few of those people, and I said, this is how we're going to pray. I said, right now, I've got cancer in my body. Now I know who the enemy is. Now I know how to combat against it. Now I know how to pray. I grabbed my warriors and I says, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna speak to every cancer cell in my body. And if it can, command it to go back into that tumor. And if it can't, we're gonna command every white blood cell to surround every cancer cell in my body and cut off the oxygen supply and the blood flow. Do not let it duplicate. Do not feed it oxygen make it die. They said, we got you back. We got you back. I got my warriors. We locked arms and we began to pray. Saturday morning comes along. We're kind of still in shock. And then Sunday comes along. We're getting ready to do whatever we got to do. And I told my wife, this was Saturday, I'm sorry. I said, you know what? I'm hungry. I haven't eaten. I am hungry. She said, what do you want? We drove around town at various things, and we ended up with a Culvert's chocolate shakes. <laughs> I didn't know if I was taking my last meal. Bless God, I'm having a Culvert's chocolate shake. And I want some Panera bread soup, I mean soup. So here we are. We're still kind of in shock. We're carrying bags. We're up on the fourth floor of a brand-new Hampton Inn. We get out of the elevator. My wife's walking before me, and she tells me later when she stepped on the ground, 
She wanted to drop to her knees and just tremble. The power was so strong. I stepped out of the elevator with my bags, took another step and went to her. That's a sound that we've had for years. Stop, something's up. Remember Hezekiah. I look this way. 10 foot up, I'm looking at what I think is the face of an angel. And it's walking towards me. And it's pushing me back. It sucked the air out. We're going. <gasps> it hits me. Boom, boom, boom. Three or four times. This power hits me. Pushes me up against the wall. I'm shaking. I'm trembling. Tears running down my face. I look up and I said, you come. You've come. Remember what I learned about Hezekiah. I said, now go fight my battle. We gained our composure, slid down the wall, walked into our hotel room. I said, my God, what am I doing? I grabbed my key. I said, that was the angel of the Lord. I went running back out there, gone. We looked for two days for that guy. I wanted to ask him some questions. Gone. But something happened. That night we were watching TV. We were watching the Christian channels. We were getting inspired by everything those people said, every prophetic word, everything they said. And then all of a sudden Jensen Franklin comes on talking about our households, talking about our families, talking about battles that we're in. And he goes to describe the church body. He says, you're trying to fight battles that you can't win. You got, you're trying to fight battles that you never were designed to fight. He says, some of you need to speak to your angels and tell them to go fight your battle. I looked at my wife and I said, we are in the right place and the right time. <laughs> I got ready for surgery they called me in on Monday we were tired we didn't know what was going to happen but I was trusting God they call me in and they, they bring me up to the sixth floor in Dearborn Medical Facility. I walk in, I see a whole entourage of people. The first person I'm greeted with is the person that's in charge of all the OR for Beaumont Medical Facility. She said, we've heard your story. We heard how God spoke to you in Florida and told you about our, our Dr. Israel. We want to hear more. Then she showed me a man that was the assistant doctor that would be there and help, who was the premier cancer specialist in all Ukraine that came to Dearborn to work under Dr. Michael Israel. He was the top of the top. Then I find out Dr. Michael Israel, he's done over 30,000 surgeries just like I had. The premier surgeon at Beaumont Medical Facility with 33,000 employees, 5,000 physicians, 142 outpatient facilities, and eight major hospitals. I had the cream of the top. The top of the top were still right in front of me. Remember Joel said, what, the, uh, what Hezekiah said about he prospered? Well, I was right there. I was getting ready to prosper from the very best of the best. I gathered him together. I said, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. You know, I'm getting ready to go put on one of them gowns. You know those gowns that are always open in the back? <laughs> come here, come here, come here. I said, what you don't know about me is I'm a preacher of the gospel and sermons are gonna come out of here. I said, would you do me a favor? When you got me all sliced open and you do what you do and your hands are on my organ and whatever you're gonna do, I said, would you guys stop and pray for me? The very first thing I heard when they were pulling stuff off of me and I woke up some six hours later was somebody, I don't know who it was, whispering in my ear while we had you under 
we all stopped and prayed for you. <laughs> tears running down my face, tears running down my face. But God, church, he's got a plan for your life. That day, I was resting, still hooked up to everything. You can only imagine. They said, you're going to have about a two-week recovery. I go through the next day or two. I still don't have the report. I mean, I find out that they took out a, at least a third of my colon. I was also told that the tumor was much larger than they thought. That's when they told me it, had, it, it was at least stage two. It had penetrated the walls into my organs. And he said, so I'm, I'm sitting there, and Wednesday comes in for the very first time, I hear what they did. And it was much more intense than I thought. He said, we took your organs out, scrub a lot of them down. He said, we took mucous membranes out. We took 25 lymph nodes out. And if some of you in the medical field, that's a lot of lymph nodes to take out of anybody. And, and, and Dr. Israel sitting here said, Richard, we haven't heard the report. We don't know what happened. But I could tell on his face what he was expecting from over 30,000 surgeries. About 45 minutes later, they come into the room. He's holding a booklet and he's walking like this. And he flips over the first page and he says, negative. Second page, negative. Third, fourth, all the mucus, negative. 25 lymph nodes, church, not one live cancerous cell they could find in any of the lymph nodes, any of the mucus they took, any of the vein product, nothing. Victory! God will come to your defense. When you see this darkness coming upon the earth and it's trying to separate your families, it's got a king over it, but fear, I'm telling you what, I had 185,000 devils screaming in my ear, you'll never prophesy again. You'll never pray for healing again. You'll never leave this hospital. You'll never walk again. You'll never do anything for the kingdom of God. They were screaming in my ear, but God, he's placed testimonies of fire inside of each and one of you. You need to look at your, your angels and say, go fight my battle. You need to stand on this word of God and until your last breath and believe God for a miracle in your life in these days ahead. Don't let him take your anointing. Don't let him take your gifts. Don't let him take your joy. Don't let him separate your household with this king called fear. God will come to your defense even if he's got to remove heaven and earth to do it. He will move heaven and earth on your behalf. Stand to your feet if you don't mind. Thank you, Jesus. He is king, he is Lord, and he is coming again. Church, I don't know. I only saw that God was gonna move mightily in these days and hours ahead. Many of you in this place, 20 and 30 years ago, we're given a hope when somebody prayed for you, a prophetic word. Time was created for us, not God. If that word doesn't come for Philip until just before Jesus returns, that's fine. With the great taken away, that's fine. It's fine with me. Some of you have the light of his word on you, inside of you, and you've quenched it because of circumstances, because of fear, because of separation. I encourage you that God wants to unravel that mess so the light of his glory can flow and move in you in these days ahead. I could tell you hundreds of stories in the, most cra in the craziest time where God moves.
Elizabethtown, Indiana, February the 27th, 2022, is your time. They may have told you that you're the problem. You need to get the sin out of your life and keep it out of your life and become the biggest problem that the devil's ever had anywhere near you in these days ahead. Because he's coming and he's relying on you to be full of the gifts of spirit, to prophesy, to bring words of knowledge, healing, miracles, workings of miracles. He's relying on you to bring a prophetic word, to talk to somebody about a dream. He's relying on you. Those of you watching online, God is relying on you to make yourself available to do extraordinary things in these days ahead. I know that some of you have come in this place and God's taking you out of this place and bringing some of you back in. You're moving to different areas. Don't let that intimidate you and bring fear. God is, if you belong to Jesus Christ and he's paid a price for you, which he has, you don't belong to yourself, you belong to him. And if he chooses to take you and place you over here, he's got a plan. He chose this long-haired hippie freak and put him down in the marina in south of Florida because he's got a plan. I minister to people that most people can never touch. You can never get close to them. They're way too wealthy. They know way too much. If God will use me and send an angel to help me, he'll use you and send an angel to help you. Does that encourage you here this morning? Did you enjoy that? Well, listen, we're going to take a little bit of time. We're going to pray for some of you. I'm going to believe God to do something special in your life and start a process. Now with me, it wasn't instant. God could have touched me the very first night, but he took me through a process. He showed me the dreams. He showed me Hezekiah. He brought the A-team and the A-team to me. Let them cut me wide open, put these great big bandages and do what they do. And at the end result, it's still the same as if a miracle would happen on day one. But there's a difference. That man's waiting on me to come home in two days and go fishing with me and have fried fish dinner, sitting in my home, talking about the things of God. There's a difference. That man's gonna see the love of God oozing out of me. That man, there's a difference. I would do it again for that one person. I had a man come into my office. He said, you remember me? I said, yes, I do. He said, I'm born again because of your testimony of fire. I'd go through it all again for one person. Are you willing to cross a line and keep yourself pure and holy? Are you willing to go the extra mile for the kingdom of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords work through you? Don't be discouraged in these days ahead. Don't be led astray. Don't let these demon powers come and steal the very thing God has promised you. Amen. Did you enjoy that? God bless you.